Welcome to the Yoga Meets Movement Science podcast. I'm Jenny Rawlings, a longtime yoga teacher and educator, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Travis Pollan, an exercise science professor and a longtime yogi himself. Together, we take a science-based look at many of the common questions, myths, and controversies that arise in the realms of yoga, movement, and fitness. Join us on this crash course where the worlds of yoga and movement science collide. Welcome to episode one of the Yoga Meets Movement Science podcast. Today, Travis and I take a closer look at the word stability and what it means in relation to the human body and movement. Stability is a word we commonly hear in the yoga movement and fitness worlds, but it's often used in multiple different ways to mean different things, and as a result, it can be a confusing and not well-understood concept. In this episode, we cover a ton about stability, including the official biomechanical definition for what stability is, as well as common contexts we often hear this word used in, such as core stability, spine stability, joint stability, the relationship between mobility and stability, internal versus external perturbations, and so much more. It really is a rich and geeky topic with a lot to explore. If you happen to be a member on my website, JennyRawlings.com, and the link to that is in the show notes, just know that you can also actually watch the video version of this podcast as a bonus feature of your membership. So if you prefer to listen via audio, that's great, and you can just listen right here. But if you'd like to actually see Travis and I talk face-to-face as we have this conversation, feel free to do so over on my website. And just a heads up to everybody that we published a blog post to go along with this podcast. And that blog post summarizes and reinforces a lot of what we'll be talking about here on this episode today. The link to the blog post is in the show notes. So just head there to check that out. And if you enjoy this episode, we would hugely appreciate your support in subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast wherever you're listening to it. And now without further ado, here's our episode. Welcome to our show today. We are here to talk about the important and engaging topic of stability. And we thought that this would be an interesting topic to take a closer look at today because stability is a bit of a buzz term that we tend to hear used quite frequently out there in the yoga movement and fitness worlds. But it also seems that that word isn't always clearly defined. And so sometimes it's maybe not used uh, in the most helpful of ways, or at least in the most clear ways. And when you really take a step back and look at the topic of stability, you discover that it's actually quite complex term with a wide variety of definitions. And so that's kind of why we're here today is just to take a look at those varying definitions, break them down a little bit to hopefully help inform us. So we have a clear idea of when we choose to use that term. Uh, out there in our yoga movement and fitness worlds. So thanks for joining us. And that's what we're focusing on today. Thanks for being here with me, Travis. Yeah, of course. I When you proposed this topic, I thought, wow, this is a really good topic. And then when we got into like the various definitions, I mm-hmm. thought, geez, there, for one thing, there are a lot of different definitions. And for another, I, I realized that maybe I wasn't even clear 
all the time what definition that I was using. So uh, <laughs> really in, in thinking about this in preparation, I, I, it helped me kind of um, hone in on what I mean when I say stability or the, the various related terms that we'll talk about. Absolutely. And same here. Like it's such a good opportunity for us to reflect on our own use of the term and then also just on how we see it used out there. I think for my part in thinking about all these definitions, I think when I use the term stability, I tend to return to kind of one definition over and over again. And maybe that itself is a little limiting. Like maybe I'm not appreciating the wider scope that that term could embody. So well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's better that you mean one thing and then you use a different word when you mean something else, oh. as opposed to just stability being the blanket term that you use for all of these things. That's so true. Uh, well, let's take a look at uh, our first example of a definition for stability. And this is the one uh, that you've defined for me. And this is the one that is uh, rooted mostly in the realm of biomechanics, engineering, and science. Can you sure. tell us about that? Yeah. So the, the analogy is that you have a bowl and there is a marble in the bowl. And so when you have a what we would call a stable system if you flick the marble so the marble is sitting in the bottom of the bowl and if you flick the marble or perturb the marble it'll oscillate back and forth um, but eventually it'll come back to rest in its stable position at the center of the bowl unless you flicked it so hard that it uh you know it left the bowl um but so that's a that's a stable system it returns to equilibrium even after a perturbation what the opposite would be would be an unstable system or instability. If you flip the bowl over and you mm -hmm. put the marble uh, in the center of the bowl, but now it's like resting there precariously, like the right? The bowl upside yeah, down. yeah. So the bowl's upside down. The marble's on top, positioned ever so perfectly, so that it's it's in the center. But if you were to give it any small uh, tap, it would roll off the bowl and go away. So. Um, in falling off the bowl, we would call that an unstable system. And so that is like the true engineering definition of stability. And we can apply that to movement with the body. And there are some good applications that make sense that we talk about with stability. So like if you're doing, if you're looking at the body as a whole and you're saying, okay, you uh, you, you're stable. You're, you, uh, are, you know, you're good at maintaining your ground, right? So that would be the idea that when you apply a perturbation to someone who is stable, they come back to equilibrium after the perturbation. So someone pushes you and you, you know, you sway, but then you come back to center or you, um, do some sort of self perturbation basically moving an arm or leg or arms and legs, but then maintain your equilibrium and come back to center as opposed to falling over. Somebody pushes mm -hmm. you, you fall over, you pick up one leg, you fall over. You would in those cases lack stability or you would be unstable. So those, that context or that idea of thinking of the body in terms of stability and stability does use that, or it's in, it is in line with our, engineering definition of stability. That makes a lot of sense. So in that sense, looking at the body as 
as a whole system as, and as to whether it is stable or not stable, the definition would be whether that body or that person's system can return to a position after a perturbation, basically, yeah. or maintain, re retain its, uh, re return to its equilibrium after a perturbation. And that perturbation could be uh, external coming from the outside, like someone bumps into you, but it could also be created from within in your own body. And that would be an internal perturbation. If you lift an arm or a leg or something like that, there's that distinction between the two types of. Yep. Or like, yeah, like reaching for something without mm -hmm. falling over. You are stable. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So it's, and I think I've heard, I've heard this suggested before that when it comes to this term that you either uh, are stable or are not stable or a system either is stable or isn't. It's like a binary thing. It's not like I'm a little more stable and I'm a little less, but it's either, or is that, would you say that's true or I, no? I mean, in the, in that simple bowl analogy, the bowl, the bowl is either right side up or upside down. Um, I think when it applies to the body, it, it really depends on the magnitude of the perturbation. So mm -hmm, or, mm -hmm. well, like it goes back to how hard did you flick the marble? Did it, did you flick it so hard that it rolled up and out of the bowl? Um, so it depends how hard does someone push you or how mm -hmm. far are you having to reach? Um, so you, you could be stable with just a small jostle. Um, but if somebody mm -hmm. comes and tackles you, mm -hmm. uh, like then football or something. yeah, so, so it's not, it's not quite this, you're either stable or you're unstable, but right. you could be, depends on what the external forces are yeah, or the internal forces from an internal perturbation. That totally makes sense. That's kind of context dependent. So would you say that in this sense of looking at stability under this definition, is that similar to the term balance? Yes. Like, like, yeah. like you're, so, you're balancing when you're standing or. Yeah. So that is, that is a, a one-to-one -one definition in my opinion, or that the, mm -hmm. this mechanical engineering definition applies when we're talking about, about balance. And when we in biomechanics, we actually have, we call balance postural stability. So posture oh, is the way you a, stand. A... Stability, yeah, and stability is the actual word that goes with it. And in layman's terms, we talk about balance, but it's the same idea is that you are, when, when you're talking about balance, you're maintaining your center of gravity, your body's center of gravity over its base of support. So if you're standing, your base of support is the your footprint and, and what's in between. And so as long as if you imagine your center of gravity is your the point at which you would balance um, your equal on all sides, if you imagine a vertical line dropping straight down from there, uh, you have to make maintain that center of gravity uh, dropping straight down through your base of support. And if your center of gravity goes outside of your base of support, so it, you sway too much forward, backward, side to side, that's when you fall over. So mm -hmm. postural stability is a is an a correct application of the the precise definition from engineering. That makes so much sense. So when we're thinking about uh, a yoga movement fitness context and and of the body in that context, then when uh, when we're using the term stability, we are we're meaning or I guess if we're using this definition for it, what we're talking about is is balance. Yeah. Well. <laughs> we should we should, we should be um we should be that's a good that's yeah. a good point yeah yeah or because if you're because that's it that is the the correct application of the definition balance postural stability is true stability when we start using the word stability in different contexts 
maybe there's a better word um, mm -hmm. that might be more applicable without conflating this definition. Totally. And the other thing I want to mention about stability is it's not just, and we, so I think what we've been describing is really dynamic uh, postural mm -hmm. stability. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is where we're talking about you're responding to a perturbation and trying to maintain equilibrium. And that is another way of thinking about it is how far can you move away from your equilibrium? How far can you reach? How far can you uh, just, you know, someone pushes you, how far can you sway and then come back to center as opposed to, well, I've swayed too far and I've, I've fallen or I have to take an extra step, which changes my, where my footprint was. Mm -hmm. But there's also static postural stability or static balance where the, the question is how, just how still can you stay? And so that, that's something that also gets measured, um, but bo both are important for like fall risk in elderly people. Um, mm -hmm. But there, there are ways to measure it both in from a, the context of a, in a biomechanics lab where you're like standing on top of a force plate and we're measuring your center of pressure, which is a proxy for your center of gravity. But also you can just do it clinically or without fancy equipment. Just how long can you stand on one leg with your eyes closed uh, is, a, is a good measure of static balance. And then there's a, a test that's often used in physical therapy called the star excursion balance test, or, or there's also a version called the Y balance, but the, it's this idea of how far can you reach one of your feet? So you're standing on one leg. How far can you reach the other leg in front of you to behind you, uh, to your left or to your right. And so that's what we call dynamic balance. And that's looking at your limits of stability. So, uh, if you, the, the greater distance you can reach, the larger your limits of stability, the more dynamic balance you have and the more stable you are. That makes so much sense. And understanding those distinctions is really helpful as well between static balance slash static stability versus dynamic balance, dynamic stability. Right. Because you, you could, I think it could be confusing if you don't have those two mm -hmm. conceptions like, well, what about this? And what about that? They're both balanced. One is very staying as still as possible and one is moving as far as right. away as possible, but then returning back to center. Right. So if I were to think about that or apply that into say a yoga class context, mm -hmm. something like tree pose, standing on tree pose would be standing on one leg. And, and you had mentioned with your eyes closed specifically, we should. That, yeah. Well, oh. that just makes it harder. So, <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. The, the idea is the, uh, the visual, right? So when you take away the visual, you're relying on vestibular and proprioception. So those mm -hmm. are the three things that help us maintain postural stability. When you remove one of them or challenge one of them, it makes it harder. So you mm -hmm. could close your eyes that removes vision. You could uh, spin in a circle a bunch of times that would like alter your vestibular system. Oh, right. you, know, you, dizzy. you know, it makes you dizzy. And then you could stand on oh. something unstable. You could even take your shoe off and then you're a little bit more unstable, but then you can stand on foam. You could stand a on block. a wobble board. You could stand a on a yoga, yoga blanket. Yeah, any, any or all of those options would be perfect to increase the challenge. So the idea is, well, if you're able to easily stand on one leg with your eyes open on a flat for surface. Like 30 seconds, just like for a certain amount of time. Exactly, for 20, 30 seconds, then we want to make it harder to challenge you. And so we mm -hmm. would do one or more of those, um, changing. Yeah. 
layering on those challenges mm -hmm. that makes so that would be a way that i guess you could quote like work on or test i guess one static balance in a yoga yeah. class context. yeah so if, if your tree pose has become easy for you um with your eyes open you could try closing your eyes mm -hmm. i've actually been working working with that a little bit myself because we have uh laura bear who's a special guest teacher in my online class library she has a little mini workshop that she taught in the library that's about balance and she talked about these this some of like the three balance systems of the body and the importance of of especially taking the visual system out of it in order to work on enhancing the other systems especially as we age because as we age the the uh, visual tends to be the aspect that declines the most so working on the other aspects seems important for maintaining our quality of balance as we get older but anyway, um, uh, so all of that. I'm glad Lara said the same thing as I did. <laughs> she did. She said the same thing. Yeah. Which, yeah, more reinforcement. Uh, but so that would be static balance, standing on one leg, like tree pose, for example, or any of other, any other of yoga's single leg static balances, but something that would work on dynamic balance, or like you said, reaching toward like the outer reach of your ability to maintain balance could be something like. Like, like standing on one leg and then use it's like the star excursion test. So you could stand on one leg and then take the other leg, reach it as far back behind you, which in my mind, that's like going toward warrior three or something and then bringing it back, but all without touching the foot down and maintaining control the whole time. Then maybe taking that same leg and reaching it forward, which in my mind then is more moving more toward like a single leg squat. This <laughs> leg's going out in front of you. I, yeah. I guess maybe you'd bend into that front knee and then you come mm -hmm. back. And then you could take it out in multiple directions. So that would be a way on the yoga mat that we could work with like dynamic balance yeah. or stability. I think, I think in like oftentimes in your classes, you'll do like a coming from high lunge um, and then pick up that back leg and like place it down under control. Yeah, but, like, slow, like stepping like, it forward yeah. slowly. So, yeah, or yeah. if you stepped it back slowly, mm -hmm. okay, you're not necessarily... Uh, coming back to you know mm -hmm. um, your your chair pose, if you're if you're, you're in chair pose, again. yeah yeah, and you go step back under control into high lunge, you're not necessarily coming back. But the idea is, well, how far back, how how long can you control that step back before you have to put that back leg down? Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Right. That totally makes sense. So a good way to work on dynamic stability and or assess it or something like that, especially within a context in which we're familiar. So another question that I have that's this kind of that's building on this is I feel that the term stability, while it's often used out there and it's not always clearly defined, uh, one way, at least in my observation that I see it used that I feel may be a conflation of the term with another term is I feel like I see stability and strength used either always in the same breath, like we're working on stability and strength, or 
as um, meaning one another. So like stability meaning strength, or at least mm. coming coming close to that. So my qu a question I would ask you is, uh, is stability, and especially within this definition we're talking about right now, is stabil are stability and strength the same thing? Are they synonymous terms or not? Just a quick moment to interject and to thank you for listening to this episode of the Yoga Meets Movement Science podcast. If you're enjoying this conversation between Travis and myself, you might enjoy working with us in a more direct way in your own yoga or movement practice. For example, are you interested in bringing strength into your movement practice? Maybe you already strength train alongside your yoga practice, but could use a more structured program designed specifically for yogis. Strength for Yoga Remote Group Training is an all-levels online strength program that Travis and I founded that's designed to enhance and fill in the gaps in a mat-based yoga practice. Our monthly strength program also comes with unlimited access to my full yoga class library. Travis and I are offering our podcast listeners 30% off their first month in Strength for Yoga Remote Group Training to try it out. Just use the discount code PODCAST30 and sign up on my website, jennyrellings.com, and the link is in the show notes. There's also an option on my website to take continuing education courses with me or to sign up for the yoga class library by itself. Use discount code PODCAST30 for any of the membership plans on my site for 30% off your first month. And that's jennyrollings.com and the link is in the show notes. And now back to our episode on stability. Is stabil are stability and strength the same thing? Are they synonymous terms or not? Well, I think no. <laughs> um, I think they're well, related. How I led, led that. Well, I think they're related, but they're not the same. So in mm -hmm. my understanding or the way that I think about it is that strength is your ability to produce force and stability is what we've been talking about, right? Um, mm -hmm. Now, I think the, the complicating factor is that you do. So if it's that, this idea of how well can you maintain your position or how well can you uh, return to equilibrium in response to a perturbation, you do need a certain amount of strength in order mm -hmm. to do that. And so my, the way that I like to think about it is that stability is the is strength, but it's also this idea of whatever you want to call it, whether it's control or proprioception or just awareness. I mean, maybe proprioception and awareness are sort of the same thing. It's your, your sense of your body mm -hmm. in space. Um, but stability is is what we've been talking about is mostly control, but you also need strength to be able to express that control, especially when the forces that you're encountering in the real, real world are of higher magnitude. That totally makes sense. So there is some overlap there and you can include a certain degree of strength in, in your definition of stability, but yeah. they're not the same thing. Right. Like if you think about um, stepping back from chair pose to high lunge, you do need a lot of strength in that standing leg in the quadriceps to mm -hmm. maintain that isometric knee flexion as you're stepping back. So mm -hmm. you need both strength and the control of the balance, the balance, the stability of the the movement to be able to do that. You, if you didn't have the strength in that leg, you would collapse. Mm -hmm. Right. That totally makes sense. So you need a certain degree of strength. And I guess it depends on what the actual movement is. Uh, but if we're talking about 
say just standing in functional daily life or walking in functional daily life, there is an element of balance that we all have or postural stability, whether we're standing or sitting or walking. Uh, and and like if we're thinking about stability in that sense, then strength might be a part of it, but we're not really that taxed strength-wise as far as like how much force you can produce. I mean, if we're, I know strength, there are different types of strength, but if we're thinking in like that classic definition, that one strength is like the maximum amount of force they can produce or like the heaviest weight you could lift one time might be your maximum strength. That's, you don't need your maximum strength in order to walk or even to hold tree pose, like even to balance on one leg. You need some strength in that standing lateral hip to, to hold you in and, and keep you balanced. But that's, you know, maybe if you held, held that for 30 seconds to a minute, you might start taxing those muscles in more of a, a strength endurance way, not so much a maximum strength way. Right. But it's not that you really need like super strong lateral hips in order to hold yourself on one leg. There's just like mm-hmm. some overlap there, uh, yeah. would you say? Well, yeah. You need a good amount of lateral hip strength for standing on one leg. You don't need much to stand on two legs. Right. Totally. And then a related question that I bet a lot of our listeners will be familiar with, but just this idea that uh, sometimes when people walk or even just stand or run or or assume certain yoga poses, uh, sometimes there's this, this uh, movement pattern we observe in people where their their knee, the bent knee, tracks inward, otherwise known as knee valgus. And sometimes that is that is labeled incorrect or non-optimal or something like that. And sometimes people want to target and change that. And in order to change someone's habitual knee valgus or knee like tracking inward, sometimes people call it collapsing inward pattern. Oftentimes, what's prescribed is outer hip strength exercises. Like you've talked about like the clamshell exercise where you lie on your side and then these are bent and you're lifting and lowering that top knee, maybe with a resistance band or something. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes it's these outer hip strengthening exercises that are, that are quote prescribed to quote fix knee valgus. Uh, do you, but that to me, that seems like using a strength uh, strategy in order to address something that seems like it's more about stability or control. Yeah. So I think it's tricky because that what we commonly see or or we commonly see that knee knock knock knees Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then we go and we assess hip abductor strength or lateral hip strength. Which is the lateral hips, yeah. And we might find that the person is weak there. And so from a simple standpoint, we would say, oh, okay, we just need to strengthen those hip abductor muscles. And then that knock knee thing will take care of itself, right? So we do our clamshells, we do our mini band stuff, our hip, ab- our side lying hip abduction, and then we go and we go, we go back to whatever movement we were seeing that valgus in, and nothing has changed. And so it's mm-hmm. like, well, we got stronger, so why didn't that just integrate into that movement? And the, mm-hmm. the issue is that it's not. This this issue isn't just a pure strength thing. It's also the you have to integrate that into your like movement pattern, your motor program. So the way that I like to think about it is like the muscle strength itself is kind of like your hardware. And then once you mm-hmm. have the hardware, you have enough strength for whatever you act, you, activity that you need to do. Then you have to create the software that to the, make the it show up. Yeah, so you have to practice the movement with the correct knee tracking. And so it's not just that this 
doing this strength work is going to automatically carry over. Um, there, mm-hmm. you have to have mm-hmm. the strength that's necessary, but it's not sufficient to guarantee that it carries over into the skill of controlling that knee position. Right, because that's like a different variable, and it's just a little more yeah. complex so that, than simply. So if we think about, I think when we go back to like, yeah, I think when we go back to the word stability, it's both the strength and the control at the hip mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. knee to maintain that alignment. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So just just a little bit more of a complex situation there than just these one plus one equals two equations. Another question, uh, or at least another use of the term stability that I tend to see used out there is the term core stability, which I know, I think it already has some overlap with what we've already been talking about. But could we touch on that briefly? Like, what does the term core stability mean? What are core stability exercises? What are they doing? What are they working? Yeah. So there, there's a classic paper um, by a physician named Ben Kibler, and we can link this in the show notes. But he defines core stability as, and I wrote this down so I wouldn't mess it up, the ability to control the position and motion of mm-hmm. the trunk over the pelvis to allow optimum production, transfer, and control of force and motion to the terminal segment. And so all of that is to say that it's it's he, he, the way that he's largely defining core stability is this idea of control, um, but it's also um, producing and transferring force. So it's sort of that definition mm-hmm. that we talked about before, where force is strength plus force is strength, control is control. So uh, strength <laughs> plus control equals stability. And then the way that we train that is often with isometrics, which maybe mm-hmm. are only one, uh, maybe are an oversimplified aspect. Maybe that's it's not addressing all facets of it because you're basically staying still. But so that some of the common exercises that we would do would be like dead bugs where you're lying on your back and um, reaching opposite arm and leg, bird dogs where you're in tabletop or quadruped reaching opposite arm and leg, um, and then various plank exercises. Um, and so stability, when we think of those exercises, you have to have a certain amount of strength um, just mm-hmm. to maintain whatever position you're in. And then you have to have, or just to get into the position maybe, but then you also have to have the control or the proprioception or the awareness to maintain that position as you are self or internally perturbing your system by moving your arms and legs. That makes sense. And and just to clarify, when you talk about those uh, as being isometric exercises, so isometric means like muscles are working, but no joint movement is happening. Yeah. So, so, so you're trying to maintain your torso position mm-hmm. statically, isometrically still while there's movement occurring around it. At and the so, limbs. yeah. So, so, and sometimes like with the dead bug, you actually need a pretty good amount of strength to mm-hmm. maintain your back pressed flat into the ground, that posterior pelvic tilt. So that requires rectus abdominis strength um, just to get into that position. And then, um, well, actually, and then you need more as your arms and legs mm-hmm. get farther away. And uh, so it's, core. yeah, but you have to have, so you have to have the strength, but then you have to have the control to feel your right, back your not lifting alignment. off. Yeah. So that's, that's like the control piece to it. 
And that totally makes sense. And so something like dad bug lying on your back and reaching arm and leg apart, I, that's isometric core training for the actual core, the muscles of the trunk. And then you're adding dynamic movement by moving the arm and the leg. So there's a dynamic aspect and uh, the you could consider that an int a form of internal perturbation because you're yeah. perturbing your system, but internally by your own movement of your limbs. Yeah. And the, so that one, when you're perturbing and reaching the arm and mm -hmm. leg, you're you're lengthening the lever and making more of a core stimulus because it's trying to lift mm -hmm. your back off. The so that that's that's one example. The bird dog, I think, is maybe easier to even see because. As you lift the arm and leg, you're changing your base of support, which makes right. it inherently more unstable. And then you're trying to basically not fall over. Like you can't fall over in a mm -hmm. dead bug because you're already on the ground. But the bird dog, <laughs> yeah. you know, we've all probably felt the urge to fall over or actually fallen over when we've done that. And so the, the yeah. stability component is not only not falling over, but also keeping your hips square to the floor, not allowing any rotation. Um, mm -hmm. and then in addition to that, actually there's some awareness of moving through the hip and not through the lumbar, um, mm -hmm. which kind of dissociating the hip and spinal motion, which is an added layer of, of like the control awareness and the control. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Those are two classic examples of what I often see labeled as core stability exercises. Yeah. And right? then, you know, there are, there are other ones, planks. Yeah, um, so front planks. and side plank, it's like, all right, there's not a lot of perturbation there. Like in a front plank, there's gravity trying to put you in, take you back down to the floor or anteriorly tilt your pelvis. And so you have to, you're maintaining that it, the, the control piece comes more in when we're doing something where we're picking up an arm in plank, um, or, mm -hmm. right, or right, a right. leg or something like that. That makes sense. Or like side or someone, plank. Or someone pushes us. Yeah, someone like pushes you. Applies a perturbation and you're trying to maintain plank. An external perturbation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, total, that totally makes sense. Thank you for clarifying a little bit more about that, that category of the use of the term stability. Uh, another use of the term that I tend to see out, out and about is, is uh, using the term stability to mean control of a range of motion. And uh, I, I'm trying to think of what a good example, or or that stability also means movement with control. So, and I, I see this used mostly in the context of like you're moving your body actively into a stretch, and that you're doing, but you're doing it actively, so you're doing it with control, and that is that is said to be stability. Do you know what I'm talking about? This this use of yeah, and I think that's really confusing because I think we have a. <laughs> I think we have a better word for that, which is mobility. Um, <laughs> right, right. So, which, like, so which the way mobility that, is moving. Sorry, yeah, we went so a little I, yeah. I think of movement, or I think of mobility as like active range of motion. Yes. Um, or another way I'm thinking about it is like flexibility with strength or control. Like mm -hmm. if you just think of flexibility, that's passive someone, you know, well, you could be moving yourself or someone's moving you, stretching you, whatever. When you add the active component to it, you're moving yourself. Um, your, your muscles are working to put yourself into a position. So that requires the, you have to have the flexibility first, mm -hmm. but then when, if you're doing it yourself, you have to have the strength and control over those ranges of motion to move yourself into and hold them. Um, so I, I, 
I get it. Like, okay, there's some stability component to that, but I, I feel more, more I like the word mobility for that better to mm-hmm. separate it from the, the elements of stability that we've already talked about. Right. Because using stability in that sense seems a little far from that original, like scientific definition of, as you described, stability being the ability to return to a your equilibrium yeah. after a perturbation. Uh, yeah. That doesn't I, seem like the same. No. And I think the challenge is like control sort of applies in all of these contexts. Like you could use mm-hmm. that word here to say, okay, I have control over this kind of extreme or end range of motion, mm-hmm. um, which is really strength in that position range yeah yeah yeah. and so but it's call it that or call it mobility yeah yeah call it that but when you when you start saying stability it's It's a little confused it's like maybe inconsistent or yeah i agree it confuses me Uh, and and i like i'm i'm probably guilty of it like when i think of uh shoulder well I, I probably often use the word when I'm talking about different joints to uh, when I'm talking about joint stability, maybe when I actually mean mobility. So th- th- this is what I alluded to at the beginning where um, it, it, it's so easy colloquially to say stability, totally. but it's not it's not that engineering definition that a lot of the other things that we've talked about mm-hmm. so far have actually been pretty, pretty in line with that definition. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And all, and totally for myself too, this definition of stability we're discussing right now about being control of a range of motion. I have also absolutely used stability to mean that too. And I've even written an article or two about it. That's out there like a few years ago. I don't, I think I, I've changed how I use that term. And these days I wouldn't use it that way, but I think, again, it's part of just chalking up or an example of just how confusing it is, especially when these terms are used out there and not so super clearly defined. So I think um, it's just easy for all of us to to use these terms colloquially or not, but in, in a varying amount of ways. But that's why something like this, just just setting out these definitions and getting a little clearer might help all of us use the terms in a little bit of a, a more helpful way. And you mentioned just a moment ago, you brought up the topic of joint stability, and that was actually the last the last question or the last topic I, I was hoping we could cover with regard to stability. Uh, joint stability is another category of stability that I see used often out there in the yoga movement fitness world. How does that fit into what we've been talking about today? Yeah, so I, I think joint stability when we or maybe joint instability does align mm-hmm. with our engineering definition. So um, basically if a joint Some joints are more inherently stable than others. So let's, Mm -hmm. if you compare like the shoulder and the hip, because they're both ball and socket joints, the, the shoulder is less inherently stable than the hip. And the reason for that is that if we go back to this idea of what amount of perturbation is required to take the system out of equilibrium in the context of a joint, we're talking about dislocating a joint. Um, and so the, the glenohumeral joint, the way that, uh, the analogy that's often used, it's like a golf ball on a, or on a golf tee. And so the golf ball is the head of Mm -hmm. the humerus and the, um, tee is the, the glenohumeral. What's the, I'm blanking on the anatomical term. You know what I'm talking about. The glenoid fossa? 
Glenoid Fossil. Yes. Yes. So so the amount of coverage of the the Glenoid Fossa on the head of the humerus. That's the it's that's really the small. head of the humerus is the right thing. Yeah, yeah I think it's the head. It's 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 not a lot, and so it's mm-hmm. easy or not easy, but it's easier um, for the shoulder dis- to dislocate because the joint congruence. I think that's the the word that's used is just it's very minimal. Now there are plenty of other capsule mm-hmm. and ligaments and muscles around there that are supplying um, stability from a muscular and connect mm-hmm. other connective tissue standpoint. Um, but the, the bones in themselves are more unstable compared to mm-hmm. the hip joint where you have the head of the femur. That's not the right word. Femur. Well, the, fe- <laughs> the femur. Okay. The femur head. So yeah. Our, yeah. I, Artic- our femoral the... head. Yeah. Articulating in yeah. the acetabulum and the coverage mm-hmm. is like, it's very totally. deeply in there. So like when they do total hip replacements, it's not just like, oh, let's pop this out. They they really have to mm-hmm. work to pull the, like a the ton hip of force out of the hip to, socket. Yeah. To literally dislocate and so, it. Yeah. So that if you think about joint instability, that that those are the sorts of things that we're trying to think about. So if someone has diagnosed joint stability, that's like a true pathology where they're prone to dislocation. So that you doesn't usually happen at the hip. Yeah, if they have joint instability, right. like sh- they have an un- they have diagnosed instability of the shoulder, they're prone to dislocations. Their shoulder actually mm-hmm. pops out, and they have to pop it back in. I think that 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 is one thing, and then the way that we talk about it in fitness and yoga and movement, we use it a little bit um, more loosely, where we mm-hmm. probably shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Um, Right. Yeah. Like I, I hear that the hip referred to as unstable quite often out there. And like, we're working on our hip stability, That's, uh, in a certain strength. Ex- yeah. You, you can work on hip stability where it's more from the context of, uh, a balance, a balance or yeah. Mm-hmm. Or controlling, uh, the hip and the knee with the valgus thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then, so that, that is, that is stability, but it's not like we're combating, Oh, if we don't if we don't do those exercises, we're at risk of developing an unstable hip. That's just not right. Right, that's a great distinction. Yeah, like a, di- shoulders that are prone to dislocation are somewhat common, and we probably know someone who who experiences that, or maybe that is us in our body. But with actual hip instability, as far as it potentially dislocating, that seems far less common, right, compared to the shoulder. Yeah, that's more like a traumatic skiing accident or car accident, right. maybe. Right a traumatic accident. And uh, so that's the shoulder and the hip with regard to instability. Uh, maybe we can kind of round out our conversation by just briefly touching in on the spine and spinal stability with, mm-hmm. under the, in the same context. Because yeah. that, that's, so, that's another place where I feel like uh, you hear the term, you have an unstable spine or you have spinal instability. I feel like that's thrown around a lot out there as well. Yeah, so true... Again, true lumbar spine instability is a pathology of the spine where there's excessive motion between the vertebrae, and most people mm-hmm. don't have that. So, uh, <laughs> but the problem is that there was research, or there's a body of literature that showed that dedicated core stability exercises, like the ones we talked about earlier, help with back pain. And so that was extrapolated to say, 
oh, spines are inherently unstable and everyone needs core stability or trunks or spine stability exercises. And the issue with that is like when you tell somebody that their spine is unstable, it creates some maladaptive beliefs. So Mm -hmm, they think like, mm -hmm. oh, well, I have to pick up the pencil that I dropped on the floor exactly right. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm going to throw my back out. And it's just that's just not how it is. Um, Mm -hmm. The the spine actually is quite stable. And so um, it just spawned this whole like core stability craze where we have to keep everything. Yeah, where we have to keep everything neutral and Mm -hmm. uh, we we don't want to allow any uh, excessive motion there. And it's just it doesn't it doesn't happen in a normal spine. And it's something that we don't have to worry about. Yeah, like like uh, actual spinal or lumbar specifically instability. It's not really a problem that most people need to worry about outside of like a traumatic accident or something like that. Right. So the the spine is inherently stable, and it's not from the, from our definition. It, you're not if you get if your spine or if you get trunk gets perturbed, it's not just like gonna fall apart. Like a it's stack gonna, of blocks, like little yeah, trouble or something. Exactly. Right. But that's the picture people get in their minds when they hear these words or labels are given to them that they have instability of their spine or their hip or any other um, number of joints where it seems like that, like with the shoulder, maybe it, it technically that can be a little more common, but it's not necessarily. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, it's, they're all still relatively uncommon. It's just that the what? shoulder might be a little bit right. more common than but it, these are largely things that we uncommon. yeah don't have to worry. And you can still train st- like shoulder st- do shoulder stability exercises, do hip stability, do whatever. Um, but we we don't want to think that the reason that we're doing those is because those joints are inherently uh, at risk of dislocation. Dislocation. Yeah. Injury. That's a really great point. Like it's probably still fine to call them shoulder stability and hip stability exercises yeah. like um standing on one leg and balancing in yoga you you can call that a hip stability exercise but yeah. it's just making sure you're clear about what you mean by stability like in that sense that stability as far as the balance the control the proprioception may, maybe some strength layered in but it's not stability in the sense that you're un- you have an unstable hip and that's dysfunctional and you're fixing that with this exercise or something like that yeah so kind of coming back to just that idea of of stability being a term that, that can be used a little loosely out there and not always so clearly defined, but once we kind of hone it in yeah. and we recognize what the maybe yeah. the the grounded scientific definition is, then we can we can use it in a little more informed way. Yeah, and I think it is tricky because there's the the considerations of stability at the whole body level, and then there's right. considerations of the joint at the various joints themselves, and so they're they're both terms that are out there. They're they're real. There there's joint stability and there's postural stability, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and they just understanding how they are similar and different from the our engineering mechanical definition of stability. Right, right. That and then totally- there's the other stuff that we said we probably shouldn't use the word stability for. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so I feel like this has been a really helpful breakdown and just a reminder to our listeners that we also have um, a blog post that goes along with this podcast where we've talked about really similar things and broken them down. So make sure to check that out. The link to that is in the show notes. 
And I think with that, we can probably wrap up this good look at stability today. Do you think, Travis? Sounds good. And that wraps up our look at stability in episode one of the Yoga Meets Movement Science podcast. We hope you enjoyed this informative discussion, and we'd so appreciate your support for this new offering if you had time to subscribe to this podcast and to leave us a rating or a review. And remember that you can use the discount code PODCAST30 for 30% off your first month in either Travis's and my Strength for Yoga program or any of my own separate offerings on my website. Links to all of that are in the show notes. And you can also find out more about Travis and connect with Travis on his own at travispollen.com. And you can follow Travis on Instagram at fitness underscore pollinator. And again, all of that is in the show notes as well. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you in our next episode. Mm -hmm.